What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels or hopefully the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Oh, my God. 
Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, we kicked off the show this week with the first song on the first album by Slaughter. That song was called Eye to Eye. And the main reason I played that song, yeah, it's a rockin' tune. I actually like that. I like a good amount of the first Slaughter album for sure. But the main reason I played that is because that little uh, camera shutter noise that you heard at the beginning of the track, that actual camera and action on it belonged to Jerry Miller. And this episode will be completely paying tribute to the now late great Jerry Miller. If you're not familiar with the name, that means you're probably a little bit younger than all of us listening on the average. And that's fine. Uh, But you need to know about Jerry Miller. Jerry Miller was the ultimate champion in the press for hard rock journalism in America, for sure. Uh, Jerry Miller ran and was the editor-in-chief of Metal Edge magazine from 1986, I think through about 98, 99, something like that. I want to say 99 is when she left and Paul Gargano took over, which I I love Paul. Uh, But, you know, of course, this is about Jerry. Uh, You know, I usually hate when people talk about, like, the pre-whatever days, like when you hear film directors talk about, oh, this is before CGI. And a lot of people like to make the reference, this is before the internet. But Metal Edge Magazine, for me, is one of the ultimate, this is before the days of internet references I could possibly make at all in my lifetime. You know, romanticizing, you know, MTV and the radio in a pre-internet age. Uh, It's a legitimate thing. That's where we got our stuff from. And Metal Edge Magazine was one of the things I definitely leaned on as a fan of this particular type of music. And Metal Edge was all facets of hard rock music. It's definitely kind of pigeonholed as one thing. You know, I've even heard it likened to being like the Tiger Beater 16 magazine for hard rock. And it did resemble that sometimes, but it was much more than that. Uh, Metal Edge covered, and you know, even despite the name, it wasn't very metal all the time in the sense of how people define heavy metal, but they did cover metal bands. Uh, It wasn't unlikely to open up an issue and go through all the pages and read, you know, about everybody from Warrant to Wasp to Anthrax to Overkill to, of course, you know, Tangier and the Bullet Boys. I mean, all of these bands were covered in Metal Edge. You could be as light as Nelson or as cutting edge as like Tad and Therapy. I mean, that's what I loved about Metal Edge. And once again, in a pre-internet age, this is where I got all of my album release dates. This is where I learned about the albums before they came out, the the track-by-track thing. I used to live for those, especially if it was an album I was definitely into getting beforehand. So, you know, it was really just the meat of the journalism of Metal Edge that I really latched onto, and I have Jerry Miller to thank for that. Uh, I'm never going to forget what she did for me as a music fan, and I definitely overtly feel the need to pay tribute to her in her passing. This is one of those instances where I was like, damn man, I could have just hustled and maybe tried to get her on the show. She was definitely, I had a, I have a list of people that I always wanted to contact for the show. And that's just uh, it's a big regret. She was high up on my list of people I wanted to talk to. I would have loved to you know, have her come on and, you know, wax about her favorite albums of all time. I would have loved to have heard a Jerry Miller Desert Island list. And I got to say, I don't see one online. I was definitely just settled in on, you know, Googling that, looking it up. And these were the songs I was going to play on the show this week. 
since it's not out there and I just don't see one. And I thumb through so many issues I have of Metal Edge just to try to find a list like that, and I couldn't find one. It was so sad. So basically, I'm going to be doing some guesswork. I don't believe this is Jerry's Desert Island list, but I'm kind of just going to lean on the bands that were, you know, for me, the most consistently covered bands throughout her tenure of Metal Edge. So covering from 86 to 99. And you can't really do that in 10 songs, but basically I'm just going to play bands that I feel like, you know, they had to have been her favorite bands because these were the bands that were covered because they sold magazines because that was the cool thing about Jerry. And you'll hear this constantly in people paying tribute to her is that she never backed down from what she wanted to cover and what she wanted to report as a fan. You know, even when the Seattle thing took over, you, you felt a little bit of it coming in, but she never turned her back on the bands that made the magazine. She always gave the ink. She never gave up on one single act, as far as I know. Uh, so you got to give it up for someone like that. That's true integrity right there. And yeah, I loved Rip Magazine uh, also, uh, you know, and I read Faces and Hip Parader and all those circus. But to me, there was nothing like Metal Edge for some reason. I think just because of the well-roundedness like I'm speaking of here. Uh, so yeah, paying tribute to Jerry. This one's for you, Jerry, wherever you are. And uh, like I said, that was her appearance on a record right there. I think that's her only appearance on a record. Fittingly, uh, she broke Slaughter in the press before anybody, as far as I could tell. And constant Slaughter coverage over the way past their sell-by date as far as like mainstream success. I was reading Slaughter album breakdowns all the way through the 90s. <laughs> uh, so yeah, playing a song from Stick It To You, you have to play it when it comes to doing a retrospective on Metal Edge magazine. So let's continue on here. I did a lot of hardcore research just looking for screenshots online and you know zooming in on the photo. If it was a magazine I didn't have, I initially thought I was going to do a list where I covered like all the Reader's Choice albums of the year for Metal Edge during her tenure. And I found a handful of winners, mostly from the magazines I had. So, uh, you know, a lot of these bands were playing on the show here today. Uh, one, what I consider to be the biggest award of the year. It's one thing to win Band of the Year, but I think winning Album of the Year is definitely a big achievement. It, it always has been to me. You know, I, I feel like Record of the Year, you know, whatever, those kind of things, Song of the Year, is a bigger thing than, like, just overall for some reason to me. Uh, so, yeah, I found a good amount of Album of the Year winners here just doing my research on my actual magazines. Uh, this next band we're going to play right here won the Reader's Choice Award for Album of the Year uh, in the 1987 awards. This album came out in 1986. It is Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet. So you can't do a Metal Edge retrospective without repping Bon Jovi here because they were always in the magazine. There was always a joke that there probably was a law that they had to mention a handful of artists, and Bon Jovi was one of them, even if it was like a, just a little blurb in Metal Wire. That you could not go a month without a Bon Jovi reference or photo or something, pinup. Uh, but yeah, that that's cool. You know, I backed the first four Bon Jovi albums, and Slippery When Wet is definitely a must-own. So here you go. Just kind of keeping with the overall, you know, mental theme, you know. Uh, songs or records I hear and I think about the Metal Edge era. So here you go. Continuing on here with Bon Jovi and Raise Your Hands. Turn it up. <laughs>
that song i'm either thinking about metal edge or space balls but that was raise your hands by bon jovi the kickoff track from the side two of slippery and wet if you have the vinyl like i do or even the tape flip it over raise your hands you know sequencing used to be an art that's a great second half uh, rocker right there all right next band right here the band that won the 1986 reader's choice award for best album was motley Crue for theater of pain and, uh, you know, even if I didn't buy every issue, I feel like I've read every issue that Jerry's been involved with. I have a good amount of them here physically on hand, still at the house in my vaults. It's a very impressive collection, but man, I got to tell you, like eBay is the worst. It's the best and worst thing ever. Like, you know, I'm going to buy a single issue of Metal Edge that I don't have. It's going to run me like between like 10 to 25 bucks a piece. It's just so ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, uh, I don't have some of these earlier issues here uh, from the mid to late 80s. I really started to get them kind of consistently around 1990, honestly. It was more so when I was getting an allowance, you know, and that was what I would spend my money on was tapes and Metal Edge magazine. Uh, so, yeah, I, I didn't have these issues uh, initially, the ones that first started up the magazine and the beginning of Jerry's reign here. Uh, but yeah, not only do I think of Metal Edge when I hear some of these early Motley records, uh, but also, honestly, like, I would buy those, like, artist-centric issues. If you remember the Spotlight magazines, like, at one point, Motley was, like, my second or third favorite band in the world. So Metal Edge actually had offshoot issues uh, of Motley and stuff like that, so I used to buy those, too. Just, uh, honestly, just for the pinups, man. I wish I had a photo of, like, some of my pinup doors throughout the different apartments and houses I lived in over the years when I was a kid. Because Metal Edge definitely repped my entire bedroom. My back door, because I can never put pinups on my front door. My mom wouldn't let me. But they covered my back door. And then I uh, I used to have, if I ever had a slide closet or just a closet door, that one would be covered. And the back door of the closet would also be covered with Metal Edge pinups. <laughs> and a lot of them were Motley Crue. So yeah, of course, I think of Metal Edge when I hear Motley songs. Not just saying that now, but it, it's always been that way. Uh, so yeah, here you go. From the Girls, Girls, Girls record, here's one you don't hear every day. This is Dancing on Glass. Dancing on glass 
All right, a little dancing on glass right there from Motley Crue from Girls, 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 1987, riding high like there. And I do mean high. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you, you know, that that was the one thing is I, not that Rip r- really ever went there with the drug use. Uh, Rip, obviously, you know, by Lawn Friend and everything and, and by Flint Publishing, they definitely were harder-hitting journalists. Uh, but, you know, they never even really went there in the present of the drug thing. They would talk about debaucherous nights and everything. But, you know, Middle Edge didn't do that. And, you know, I know they get criticized for that. But at the same time, man, I was the perfect age for this magazine because, you know, I was like a preteen I didn't really know any better, you know. I knew that the girls were part of the deal, you know. But, uh, yeah, I didn't really get too seedy besides that in my head. So, once again, it was just the perfect magazine at the perfect time for someone like me. I used to... <laughs> God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I, the, I used to read magazines when I would take a bath. Um, I was... <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Metal Edge was like the perfect size. It was like that magazine size. You just... I put it on the toilet and still see and read the magazine. <laughs> you couldn't do that with Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone was too fucking big at that point. <laughs> All right. Oh, man, this is for the, uh, the definitely the close friends of the show here, me admitting this kind of shit. But anyway, let's get back to Jerry, <laughs> back to Metal Edge. Uh, of course, uh, another band they never gave up on, and that's going to be redundant. They didn't give up on any of these acts. Uh, was Skid Row and man like when I first moved out here to the mid cities in 1990 Skid Row was the thing and I still love Skid Row but it was that weird point where uh, the first album had been out for almost a year and a half at that point and uh, it came out at the beginning of like 89 or late 88 or something like that but it felt like it had been out forever and we were waiting on this new album and you know Slave to the Grind didn't come out until 1991 but man, it was just constant coverage of Metal Edge, like every month, hoping that the, when the next issue came out, you'd get more news about the new record. MTV didn't seem to be covering it as much, but there was like up to the month updates, and I do mean month, uh, with Metal Edge. So, like they were like the CNN of album releases once again. So yeah, just if even if you didn't buy it, you'd go flip through it and see if there was new news on the Skid Row record. I I specifically remember walking with some of my friends at this time to the gas station, you know, to flip through the magazine to check on that. That was like how we got our news. It's crazy to think that, but that's what we did. And uh, yeah, like I said, Skid Row, huge. And, you know, like I said, it was like every month there was at least something of Skid Row, even if it was of no substance, whether it was, uh, uh, you know, before they were stars. uh, I forget what that feature is called, but, yeah, when they would show the baby photos. And, or the wedding uh, pictorials, you know, like things like that too. Or a Skid Row mailbag where every letter was a Skid Row question. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, we just waited and waited for that record. I remember that. But yeah, all my Skid Row pinups, of course, came from Metal Edge. Couldn't get enough of those. And uh, yeah. So the first Skid Row record, especially, makes me think of Metal Edge. And Slave to the Grind actually did win the Reader's Choice Award for 1991 Best Album of the Year. But I got to play something from the first album because when I think Metal Edge, I do think of just the self-titled first album here. So here you go. This is Skid Row with Making a Mess.
All right, from their self-titled debut album, that was Skid Row with Making a Mess. Slave gets all the acclaimed. Subhuman Race is a personal favorite, but that first Skid Row album is still rocking as hell. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that. And the next band we're going to talk about and play here is another one of those bands, like I mentioned, like Bon Jovi earlier, or, or even Skid Row. Like, there had to be a mention in every magazine. It seemed like it was a mandate that they would be in every issue. And they definitely did the tour. As I was mentioning before, the, the wedding photos, the baby photos, the mailbag section, all the album breakdowns, everything. This band got the ultimate red carpet rollout every time they did anything. And even when they weren't doing anything... Uh, it definitely seemed like Metal Edge was like Warrant Central at one point. And, and like even when they were putting out Belly to Belly and Ultraphobic, they still got tons of ink in Metal Edge. So like I said, that, that's a true testament to you know, not falling off uh, with uh, you know, a band that helped sell you magazines. And, and you don't see that. I say like, you know, yeah, it was easy for them to support these bands since they made them money. But you got to understand like every other magazine, it seemed, especially in America, I don't know how it was overseas, but it seems like every other magazine definitely fell off. Like, you know, Warrant was even getting coverage in, you know, all these other magazines, but and all of them fell off, even though they probably sold the magazines. A Metal Edge did not. That's that's one thing I just want to keep pushing forward there, is that they were loyal and they were awesome for that reason. Uh, so yeah, I gotta play Warrant. If I'm doing a Metal Edge tribute, and I'm sure Jerry was a huge fan. She seemed like an actual like close friend of theirs, too, for sure. Uh, you know, she was at all those weddings and stuff like that, and you saw the constant photos. Yeah, I mean, you want to be nice to the journalists, but at the same time, I feel like Jerry's thing went a lot deeper with a lot of these other bands. So, uh, you know, I, I felt that personability and fan voice there. So yeah, if you ask me what Warren album makes me think of Metal Edge, I, I'd have to say like all of them, <laughs> especially all the ones that Janie sang on. Uh, so, you know, just this is kind of just to pick them. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to go with something that kind of uh, has that kind of mentality and it just uh, is a nice snapshot of the times. So here you go. Here's a random one. And I, I, I'm going to play this also since I didn't play it on the 1990 countdown episode I did last year. This one just barely didn't make the cut for a song representative from the Cherry Pie record. So here you go. Here is the very close second runner-up from that episode. This is Warrant and Sure Feels Good to Me.
right, that was Warrant with Sure Feels Good to Me. And like I said on the 1990 countdown, there's some gems on that Cherry Pie record. It's really cool, actually. And man, like you, you go look on all the streaming services and like everybody's listened to the Cherry Pie song. And I'm sure half of them are intended satirically. And of course, it's a cheesy ass song. But there's some songs on that record that, that have some substance, even just some fun substance like that one right there sure feels good to me. And so it's just it's a fun record. I, I recommend a run through if you've never done it or if you haven't done it in 30 years. All right. So this next one I'm going to play here is definitely a dark horse on this episode because you wouldn't immediately think of this record for sure. I do remember this getting good coverage when it was out. And the other reason I'm playing this is actually uh, much like uh, the last song I played. This is one I actually meant to play on the 1990 countdown show and I failed to. I think I left this album off entirely but it actually would have done really well like at least in like the top half of the uh, countdown as far as I could tell because I remember being impressed by this record and I never listened to it when it was out but in, in doing the scoring last year for the 1990 episodes this one really stuck out as like hey this is surprisingly good I expected it to just be okay but it, it was really good so I want to kind of make it up and play it on the show because uh, it does tie into Metal Edge and Jerry because there was always a ton of docking coverage as well. And, uh, you know, even if someone did something on their own, whether it was Lynch going off of an, on his own, whether it was Lynch going off on his own or doing Lynch Mob or just guesting on something, uh, whether Don had a solo album out, whether they were together, uh, hell, even if Jeff Pilson was in whatever band he was in that month, you would know about it. Like, the, the musical chairs of Dokken, like, you could follow that if you had a subscription to Metal Edge or read it consistently. So, you gotta play Dokken here on the Metal Edge tribute and the tribute to Jerry. So, also to make it up to my 1990 countdown from last year, I'm gonna play something off of Don Dokken's solo album from 1990, the Up From The Ashes record. This is a damn cool record if you give it a chance. And like I said, I'm pretty sure I missed out on this one in the countdown. Maybe I'm wrong. It was a long list. So, hell, if I did play something on it, please let me know. Uh, I've slept since then. But here you go. This this seemed like a good one to play anyway. So here you go. This is Don Dockin with A Thousand Miles Away. Try to hold love 
All right, a little Don docking right there from a solo album up from the ashes. That was 1,000 miles away. Hope you enjoyed that. Like I said, uh, definitely one of the perennial favorites of Metal Edge was Dokken and the entire family tree of that. That Don Dokken album, once again, go go check it out. If you like those old Dokken records, it's kind of the lost Dokken album, honestly. Uh, you know, you got some cool musicians on there. John Norum and Mickey D, I believe, plays drums on it. So, you know, there's great musicians on there. But yeah, those, you know, Dokken albums from the last 25 years or whatever that don't sound a whole lot like Dokken to me. Uh, check out this one. It's a good addition to your collection if you're a fan. All right, another one that got the tour uh, in Metal Edge, as I like to call it now. Every possible article you could get on this band, including the album breakdowns, multiple awards, pinups every month. Uh, this was another one of the gold standard perennial favorites of Metal Edge. Talking about Def Leppard. Def Leppard's one of my favorite bands anyway, so this is an easy choice right here. I think I've seen every member of Def Leppard's wedding photos because of Metal Edge. <laughs> but yeah, of course, you know, they would figure out a way to get coverage in Def Leppard in that big, huge gap between Hysteria and Adrenalize, and it seemed like they never left, uh, even though they were taking their sweet time putting out Adrenalize. Uh, but yeah, I, I figured I'd play this one right here. It's a nice bridge gap song between the two eras, like the late 80s era and the early 90s era. And once again, I, I would see Def Leppard coverage with every release. Every time they had a new video, I'd see photos from the video shoot, the, the whole thing. And uh, coverage for me all the way up until, like, you know, the Euphoria record. So, yeah, they definitely love them some Def Leppard, and so do I. So, like I said, I wanted to play something that kind of bridges those two eras. Uh, like a lot of people, the first time I heard this song was when they played it on the VMAs years before Adrenalize came out. So I feel like it kind of feels like it comes from both albums, Hysteria and Adrenalize. So here you go. This is a nice little deep favorite. This is Tear It Down.
right. A little Tear It Down from Def Leppard right there from Adrenalize 1992. Hope you enjoyed that. And you know we couldn't do this episode without playing some Poison, that's for sure. First band I ever saw live and another band that did it all in Metal Edge magazine. And the other thing I remember the most about Poison and its coverage in Metal Edge is I, I don't think I ever read more about an album that didn't get released than Poison's fourth album. <laughs> Uh, the one that they were working on after they fired uh, Richie Kotzen. And there was so much turmoil going on. And even when all that was going on and CC was trying to start his new band, and I, I do know this because of Metal Edge, originally he had a band called Needle Park that was going to come out. And I know James Kotak was going to be in the band. Imagine how train wrecky that band would have been. And I think Spike from the London Choir Boys was working with him at one point. I learned all this and retained this knowledge somehow just because of the coverage of Metal Edge. Uh, so yeah, I've got a Needle Park pinup still to this day <laughs> because of Metal Edge. So anyway, yeah, Poison always got coverage, and I used to read, especially in Metal Wire, and I loved Metal Wire because like that was like you know four or five pages that you could start a release calendar with that thing and uh, just get cool rumors and dirt about things that would mostly happen more often than not, and some things didn't, but most of it did materialize. Uh, but yeah used to read metal wire there was always some sort of update on this phantom fourth poison album called butt naked and screaming that you know they were working on it working on it uh you know now blue saraceno is the guitar player you know there's rumors of cc might be coming back we just don't know uh now it's like you know every month something different capital records is not putting it out like they are refusing to put it out so there was like the drama of this album called butt naked and screaming that was never released and I swear, it's like every month there was like an update on this record. And the record, uh, you know, as it stood, never really happened. But it did come out in some form uh, in the year 2000 under the name Crack a Smile and More. The album title was changed to Crack a Smile at one point. And uh, yeah, I remember just like uh, when this came out on principle, I had to listen to it and buy it. You know, just being a decent Poison fan. But also, like, if you read enough about a record, you're going to anticipate it. Almost whether you like this band or not, if you're getting the news, like, I, I believe, like, your curiosity will start to get the better of you. So I remember buying this and going, hey, I like it better than Native Tongue. So for what it's worth, uh, you know, I like Crack a Smile and more. So I figured since the payoff, even in a post-Jerry Miller era of Metal Edge, Crack a Smile did come out and I was able to listen to it. That's my little Poison Metal Edge story right there for you. That's what I think of the most. Even as a fan, I, I don't remember putting up a bunch of Poison pinups because there was that thing where your friends would probably give you shit for that. <laughs> so, yeah, I kept it real, you know, with my Skid Row and Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue pinups, but I still liked Poison a lot. So, call me a loser, Jason. All right, there was that ultra-long build-up for an album I had to wait a long time to listen to, so equally ultra-long build-up right here. At least it feels like it. So here you go from the Crack a Smile record. This is Poison, and uh, you know definitely a commentary for his fellow brethren. At least all the ones that were still at least getting coverage of Metal Edge, and you had that going for you. This is tragically unhip. Yeah. 
right there you go one of many songs that has a reference to kiss in it that was tragically unhit by poison speaking of having pictures of kiss on your wall yes metal edge was a constant source of kiss pinups for me that's another thing that really kept me in there is uh you know even if i didn't really care too much about maybe some of the articles but that usually didn't happen uh, but I know I could at least get a handful of KISS pinups. Or if I was lucky, the centerfold that month would be KISS. Or when they started to get the big posters finally, I'd get a KISS one. That was the best. You didn't have to like pay, you know, five, six bucks for a poster at Sam Goody. You could just get one in your Metal Edge issue. I loved that. You know, if you ask me the albums I looked forward to the most in my lifetime, it would be, you know, like Slave to the Grind, uh, the Motley Crue album with John Karabi, and definitely Revenge by Kiss. I have Metal Edge to thank for all of those, because they, they definitely hyped it to the point where it was almost ridiculous by the time it came out. So I feel like I wouldn't be doing any kind of justice to a Metal Edge-centric tribute show and to Jerry Miller without including some Kiss. And my God, man, if you were a Kiss fan, uh, the, the Kiss-centric issues they would put out, the spotlight issues... Like, the magazine right when Revenge was coming out, where they did an all-kiss issue, if you had that or have seen that magazine, that's the magazine I took the first time I met Kiss. That is one of the very few Kiss items I have fully autographed. So I brought that Metal Edge Kiss issue to the signing, and that's one of the things I have fully signed by the band. So it was that important to me. I read that magazine so much, and I cherished that issue so much that I didn't really even pull photos out of it. I just kept it intact. Uh, so yeah, I gotta include something from Revenge by Kiss uh, on this tribute episode. So here you go. Here's a song I remember reading a ton about prior to its release. and Not even my favorite album on Revenge, but it's a song that makes me think of Metal Edge once again when I hear this song. So here you go. But it's a cool little hard rock song here. This is Tough Love. Let me treat you right I'm the one 
that, of course, one of my favorite bands of all time, if not my favorite band of all time, Kiss, Tough Love, from the 1992 album Revenge. All right, going out tonight with an easy one uh, from an album that won the 1993 Reader's Choice Album of the Year right here is Aerosmith. And Aerosmith is a band that, exactly just like Kiss, uh, a band that, you know, 99% of the bands covered in Metal Edge owed a debt of gratitude to. So it was cool to see them, you know, in the same issue with these other bands. And I'm sure they got a kick out of it as well. But I do think of a lot of Aerosmith albums when I think of my Metal Edge magazines. And I remember, like, once again, talking about the wait between albums. Get a grip. Man, that was another album that I waited for. I mean, we waited four years for that record. And having to read about it, Metal Edge, every month, just dying, wanting to hear this record. And then when it, you know, when it didn't come out when it was supposed to, and we were reading why and all this crazy stuff. And, you know, finally it came out. We got the track by track and the whole thing. And, of course, following them on that two-year tour and seeing pictorials and stuff like that. So I think about my Metal Edge issues uh, from that time, 93, 94, when I hear stuff off of Get a Grip. So I definitely feel like I should close with this one. This is a strong one right here. Closing off with Kiss and Aerosmith. Uh, how much better can you get, huh? Uh, so here you go. Once again, paying tribute to the late, great Jerry Miller and her time in Metal Edge and everything it did for me right here with my fandom. Uh, so here you go. This is the Bad Boys from Boston, Aerosmith, and a really cool rocker from Get a Grip. This is Fever.
Closing out the show here today with Aerosmith and Fever from their album Get a Grip. I really like Get a Grip, actually. I, I defend it. I went to both shows in Dallas on the tour, so I've got a big soft spot for it. Uh, so there you have it. That was my tribute to Metal Edge magazine and the era and the person, Jerry Miller. Jerry, we miss you, and damn it, I wish I could have had you on the show. Uh, that's going to be one of my biggest regrets here in the history of the show. One of the issues I definitely leaned on in putting this episode together was my copy of Metal Edge, the 10th anniversary, uh, the April 1996 issue. And just looking at the cover of it, the cover, its if you go look it up, it's got uh, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley on the cover, and they're holding up a little cake that says Metal Edge 10 on it. And you just look at the bands listed on there, and it does kind of sum up a lot of the history of the magazine. You see all the names on the cover of this issue of bands that we played here on the show today. You also see Guns N' Roses, Megadeth, Anthrax, Iron Maiden, Metallica, Van Halen, Rob Halford, Dee Snider, Ozzy Osbourne, Alice Cooper, you know, Winger, Faster Pussycat. But then you got uh, all the way over White Zombie, Silverchair, Sabotage, Galactic Cowboys, Typo Negative. I mean, I, I love that. Once again, I love that. I'm not a big fan of separatism in my rock and roll, but especially just in the multifaceted genre of hard rock. There's so many different types of bands, and I definitely want to send just all the love out there. Big shout out to what Metal Edge Magazine did, and that by proxy, what Jerry Miller did uh, for a lot of us out there. I feel like it's not just me. It can't just be me. We love you, Jerry, and I hope this episode did you some sort of justice. Uh, so there you have it. All right. You know, I, I try to have as much fun as I can when I'm paying tribute to someone who's passed on. So I hope you had a good time listening to the show, regardless of the theme. Uh, but yeah, I'll just say I'll see you guys on the next one. But definitely, of course, as of right now, stick around for the plugs featuring my better half, Nola, and the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, our new kittens Ruby and Ripley get a treat. We're on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going back all the way to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Talking Rock with Joey and the great Mark Streakle of Talking Metal. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRusa and occasionally Joey. Last but not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRusa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. <laughs>